Flyover Politic Podcast, the show for normal Americans. From this undisclosed bunker, here's your host, Tony Reed. This morning, the growing fallout from that Texas law banning most abortions. Overnight Planned Parenthood asked a Texas court to temporarily block this law from taking effect. Rachel Scott joins us from Houston right now. Rachel, you've spoken to doctors who say they are already having to turn women away. It gets worse if we don't reduce carbon emissions dramatically in the years ahead. So, Michael, you lay out the science and it's clear that there's a backing for the arguments that you're making. Stepping aside from your expertise and, and your experience as a scientist, as a human being, it has to be incredibly frustrating for you to point this out and, and to be sounding the alarm for decades, and yet there doesn't seem to be the urgency among leadership that is required to meet the moment. Can we look at it like this? I put on my sunglasses because I want to protect my eyes from the sun. I put on the mask because I want to protect my nose and my body from breathing something in that's not good for me. It's the same thing. I saw this guy, this video of this guy, you know, here in New York City, talking about uh, 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 really uh, going after this woman on a train, saying, "Take off your mask on the subway." Yeah, it's I about believe in free freedom. I believe in freedom. I She's can't free believe. to put on her face whatever the hell she wants. I know. I can't believe in a New York City subway that it's... that guy didn't get tuned up. By the way, I'm. <laughs> How will what happened affect Democrats' chances moving into the midterms? You know, I can't predict that. I will say there'll be a job for congressional oversight. There always is. But at the moment, actually, I'm still focused on trying to get some of those brave Afghans out. The Americans, all of whom wanted to come out, have come out. Praise God. My sense, as I talk to people in the White House, uh, watch these folks on TV, is that they are really shell-shocked. This is a, a, a kind of defeat, a, a level of reversal that these folks have never known in their lives. These are people who've never gotten a you know, bad grade in school, and suddenly they find the world collapsing around them. And I think it's been really, really difficult for them uh, to, to, to deal with this. Uh, it's overwhelmed every other issue for the White House. You call and ask about any other thing that was in process or, or being planned, and, and no, the focus right now is on Afghanistan, period. Uh, I think that, that they hope that... A Okay, so during third period, we have announcements and they do the Pledge of Allegiance. I always tell my class, stand if you feel like it, don't stand if you feel like it, say the words if you want, don't have to say the words. So my class decided to stand but not say the words. Totally fine. Except for the fact that my room does not have a flag. It used to be there, but I took it down during COVID because it made me uncomfortable. And, um, I packed it away and I don't know where and I haven't found it yet. 
<laughs> but my kid today goes, hey, um, it's kind of weird that we just stand and then, you know, we say it to nothing. And I'm like, oh, well, you know, I got to find it. Like, I'm working on it. I got you. <laughs> in the meantime, I tell this kid, we do have a flag in the class that you can pledge your allegiance to. And he like looks around and he goes, oh, that one? And welcome back to Flower Politic Podcast. It is the 8th of September, year of our Lord, 2021. This morning, Monster, Liga Pravada, T-52. Mm-hmm. It's a victory cigar. You know why it's a victory cigar? This is my first day off in 21 days. Already had my last, my first, I quit. So I had to redo the schedule change store hours and now i can take a day off isn't that interesting you lose a person and you actually get time off go figure so with our intro there mm, we have made the pivot we have pivoted and, and did you think we wouldn't i mean seriously we were gonna pivot we're gonna go back to you're the american taliban it is so bad that glenn klessler Chuck Schumer lies through his teeth and tells reporters that all Americans who wanted to come out of Afghanistan have come out. Kessler, once again, the guy who did uh, 1,000 Trump fact checks. Because it was such an important time that we don't let democracy die in the dark. Schumer's TV interview, the Americans in Afghanistan, all who wanted to come out, have come out, praise God, Schumer spokesperson. He misspoke and regrets the confusion. He intended to say, as he's been saying, the U.S. will kit everyone out that wants to get out. Addendum. The State Department says there are at least 100 U.S. citizens still there. He misspoke. Did Trump get misspeaks? I don't recall that. I never recalled that. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I pop back into that again? I did. You know... When you give this much shit to terrorists, you think the media would stay focused. You, you think they would. Just a smidge. I mean, we're talking 3,000 up bomber Humvees, 32 MI-17s, three C-130s, MD-530 helicopters, light ones, 43, Blackhawks, 33, A-29 attack planes, 23, AC-208s, 10, machine guns, 7,035, grenade launchers, 1,394. Oh, wait, let's get closer on that because this is a foreign news agency because they actually pay attention to this shit. The UK actually believes this shit's pretty bad. We even gave them 20,000 motherfucking grenades. But no, that's not important. What is wrong with you? He's just a doddering old man. Stop holding him to a standard. Usable aircraft. I mean, this thing goes on. Equipment given to the Afghan. Then you get Cherry Jacobs. Now that we know Trump was setting a booby trap for Biden, Afghanistan started pulling that thread. If you went out to sabotage Biden, think of every step, every move you make, and then understand... That's what Trump did. 
Trump, Pompeo, Putin are enemies of America. By the way, this is the art of war and how most of us engage developing strategy and campaign. Let's break something down really quick. If he's a bumbling moron, he's an idiot, how the fuck is he such a smart guy? Or is she serious? She's 100% serious, my friends. She truly believes this was all a devious plan. But, but they're doing that because you want to ignore this. Lo que se está diciendo de gente que participó es que los, eh, eh, el, el Departamento de Defensa ya sabía quién iba a poner la bomba y cuándo y que lo tenían en la mira de un dron, un predator, okay, y que se les rehusó dar permiso para, 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 para matar al que iba a poner esa bomba. Lo pidieron y se negó. ¿Por qué? Porque estamos en este proceso de negociación con los talibanes que ellos mismos no controlan su propio gobierno ni su propia gente. Drone operator said to stand down. Do you think for a second any other American president, I'm not just talking Trump, any American president would stood by and done that. But these assholes will do anything. New York Times changes headline on not everyone wants to hear Joe Biden talk about Biden. Biden still grieving his son finds that everyone wants to hear about it. In invoking Bo, Biden broaches a loss that's guided his presidency. Because they make it fit. Then we get into the editor-at-large at Newsweek. And folks, they're not letting people land. They're not letting people take off in Afghanistan. Breaking. Confirm 11 flights, 8 charters by Glenn Becker being held by Taliban, including over 100 Americans. No packs on plane. No hostages. All packs are safe away from the airport. Let me blow this up some more. Also, McCall was absolutely incorrect in characterizing any of these people as hostages. There's nobody being denied exit of the country. Bex and a reason fund and Mercury One Group paid 750k for each flight set to carry over 1k passenger. Again, there is no evidence the Taliban is targeting the passengers explicitly denying them exit. What NGO official told us was that this was likely due to impasse between the State Department and Taliban. We held back some detail to protect those seeking to leave Afghanistan. I'll just put this up because he says it right. The nuances of the Taliban. We have nuances now. There was not nuances before. Now there is. More of it. From the chaotic chaotic finale in Afghanistan, a Biden doctrine has emerged that policy that avoids forever wars and nation building while uniting allies against authoritarian powers. First response, this is how you polish a turd. It's a bit hard to square the uniting allies with everything we saw over the last few weeks. You know, I didn't play this. But this, my friends, is what our allies think. Like many veterans, this last week has been one that has seen me struggle through anger and grief and rage the feeling abandonment of not just a country, but the sacrifice that my friends made. 
I've been to funerals from Poole to Dunblane. I've watched good men go into the earth, taking with them a part of me and a part of all of us. And this week has torn open some of those wounds, left them raw, left us all hurting. And I know it's not just soldiers. I know aid workers and diplomats who feel the same. I know journalists who've been the witnesses to our country in its heroic effort to save people from the most horrific fates. I know that we've all been struggling. And if this recall has done one thing, let me tell you now, Mr. Speaker, it's achieved one thing already. I've spoken to the Health Secretary, who's already made a commitment to do more for veterans' mental health. Yeah. This isn't just about us. The mission in Afghanistan wasn't a British mission, it was a NATO mission. It was a recognition that globalisation has changed us all. The phone calls that I am still receiving, the text messages that I've been answering as I've been waiting, putting people in touch with our people in Afghanistan, reminds us that we are connected. We are connected still today. And Afghanistan is not a far country about which we know little. It is part of the main. That connection links us also to our European partners, to our European neighbours, and to our international friends. And so it is with great sadness that I now criticise one of them. Because I was never prouder than when I was decorated by the 82nd Airborne after the capture of Musakala. It was a huge privilege, a huge privilege to be recognised by such an extraordinary unit in combat. To see their Commander-in-Chief call into question the courage of men I fought with, to claim that they ran. It's shameful. Those who have never fought for the colours they fly should be careful about criticising those who have. Because what we've done in these last few days is we've demonstrated that it's not armies that win wars. Armies can get tactical victories and operational victories that can hold a line. They can just about make room for peace, make room for people like us to talk, to compromise, to listen. It's nations that make war. Nations endure. Nations mobilize and muster. Nations determine and have patience. And here we've demonstrated Sadly, that we, the West, the United Kingdom, does not. Now, this is a harsh lesson for all of us. And if we're not careful, it could be a very, very difficult lesson for our allies. But it doesn't need to be. We can set out a vision, clearly articulated, for reinvigorating our European NATO partners to make sure that we are not dependent on a single ally, on the decision of a single leader, 
but that we can work together with Japan and Australia, with France and Germany, with partners large and small, and make sure that we hold the line together. Because we know that patience wins. We know it because we have achieved it. We know it because we have delivered it. The Cold War was won with patience. Cyprus is at peace with patience. South Korea, with more than 10 times the number of troops that, us, that America had in Afghanistan, is prosperous through patience. So let's stop talking about forever wars. Let's recognize that forever peace is bought, not cheaply, but hard, through determination and the will to endure. And that the tragedy of Afghanistan is that we're swapping that patient achievement for a second fire and a second war. I played it all, all of it. No, 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 they don't think this is great. They actually had a vested interest in it. They didn't want to pull out. But you see how our media is. Nobody's going and having those interviews. Nobody's talking about anything. I mean, seriously, for fuck's sake, before I move on to this twat-snatching motherfucker. I hate this piece of shit. Media uninterested. NBC profiles U.S. Afghanistan. Ingle blast. This was a one-off on NBC News. Military mom calling in to a radio show over the weekend and not holding back on her feelings. Listen. 20 years and six months old, getting ready to come home from freaking Jordan to be with his wife to watch the birth of his son. And that feckless, dementia-ridden piece of crap just sent my son to die. John, that was Kathy McCollum. Her son was Riley McCollum, the 20-year-old who died, he was a Marine. Taliban takeover they worked so hard to prevent. As you've been watching what has happened in the last 72 hours, how are you doing? I want to suit up and go back. I would give anything to go back. For them, it's personal, as the Biden administration works to process and evacuate Afghan interpreters, fixers, and other helpers. My interpreter yeah. who's stuck right now, who I'm trying to get out, he's hiding out in an area where he says that uh, nobody knows who he is. He's very afraid. Yeah. For his own safety, right, Kristen? Yes, for his safety and for the safety of his family. He sent me a picture of uh, of two, two of his boys, and they're, I mean, I'm just, it's devastating. I feel this, this really strong sense of guilt. It was my job to, you know, go around to these different villages to help them build their country and make it a better place. And, and this just completely makes me a liar, you know. It's not just the, the soldiers we're talking about, right? It's the diplomats, the aid workers, the people who believed. To leave at any price. They burst through security, climbed over walls, and the tarmac, searching for any airplane that would take them far away from Afghanistan, away from the Taliban. Many managed to cram into one plane. The pilot refused to take off. People on board refused to disembark. But it was across a barbed wire divide where it turned really ugly. 
On the military side of the airport, American troops trying to evacuate U.S. Embassy staff found themselves overwhelmed, suddenly battling crowds, firing warning shots. This was not the mission they came for. The Pentagon says U.S. troops shot dead two armed Afghans. But still, the crowds didn't disperse. Instead, they ran along and clung to the undercarriage of a military transport plane as it taxied for takeoff. One U.S. military official told me it was a hundred times worse than the humiliating American pullout from Saigon. Afghans are running from the Taliban, now in full control, setting up checkpoints with the very weapons American taxpayers bought for the Afghan army, which collapsed instead of fighting after the U.S. pulled out of bases and left them without air support. And the U.S. didn't see this coming? We reported on the tremendous security vacuum created when the U.S. left Bagram Air Base two months ago, leaving it so undefended and empty, I was able to bike down the runway. The warning signs were there. And this weekend, Kabul was taken without resistance. And the Afghan president fled. Still in the country are tens of thousands of Afghan interpreters marked for death by the Taliban who were taking their meals in the presidential palace, settling in, celebrating their victory. A 20-year war, the longest in U.S. history, ended in disgrace. The U.S. leaving behind a country its citizens are too terrified to live in. The administration... Oh, we're going to get to how people are so upset that we actually got upset and the media covered it but that's it there's nothing else there's nothing to see here these are not the journalists you were looking for yeah i star trek it or <laughs> star wars yes these are not the journalists you're looking for because we don't have journalists they built it so they got to protect it we will not have truth anywhere none you got this twat goggler goggler you're the damn state department get some reliable means means you have one job good lord state department says there's no reliable means to confirm taliban prevent america's leaving adam sees has some issues with this both them and you pick the tribe you don't care about pesky things like truth consistency all that matters is your tribe I refuse to join one, and tribalism must die. Kinzinger. What tribe? You ran as a conservative. But when Trumpy hurt your feelings, mm, don't have time for that anymore. Then we have somebody that rarely does this, Emily Miller. One week ago, I got this email from retired Special Forces operator, who is now a friend and partner I didn't believe him. Our government abandoned American citizens and longtime allies in Afghanistan to be killed by the Taliban. Yes, nothing has changed. President Biden told American people that no one would be left stranded in Afghanistan. He lied. Biden said there's an ongoing effort in Afghanistan to reopen the airport. That's a lie. The U.S. hasn't even tried to get flights out of AFG. The Qatar government reopened Kabul airport after the U.S. bailed. No Americans could fly in or out from it. Why not? As long as those six planes sit on the tarmac and Maz, no other rescue planes can leave. Kabul Airport is still not safe for Americans to go there. There are people waiting to escape the route, and the Taliban are hunting them in Maz. 
Not one American has flown out of Afghanistan in a week. Biden promises on reopening airports is critical because the U.S. government is lying about how many Americans were stranded in Afghanistan. Biden, the State Department, claimed 100, 200 Americans in Afghanistan lie. There are between 750 and 1,000. And my source on the number is the U.S. government. They know it. The special immigration visa holders in Afghanistan are people who work for our military. They're brave allies still helping America. The Civs also fought the Taliban for the U.S. They were integrated closely with our special forces. Biden told you the Taliban has made public commitments on safe patches for anyone wanting to leave, including those who worked alongside Americans. The POTUS has left these allies in the hands of the Taliban. This is not what American citizens do. The Pentagon and the State Department are lying to public. They have the database. They know it's about 20,000 people. I, got, I get emails all day from terrified Americans, Afghans, Civs begging for help. We're tracking them. They're not. I have called friends of State Department, Senate, House, DOD, offered to give over a list with passport numbers. When this is over, I'm going to make public everyone who blew me off. It just goes on and on. It just goes on and on because they, they're just fucking lying and they don't fucking care that they're fucking lying because they're fucking liars. This is a three-star general. This picture's worth a thousand words. Thanks to these American heroes. They're fucking British. They're so busy being woke. And I think that's the worst part about all of this. It doesn't come down to right or wrong or America or fucking anything. He says, I'm not part of a tribe. Oh, really? Because last I checked, you're part of the liberal tribe, Mr. Kinzinger. The media is all part of the Biden campaign and the Democratic National Convention. I mean, our committee. We don't talk truth anymore. We don't hold anybody to account. And I believe with 100% certitude it is because of their fucking hate you know melissa and what scares me um is that despite the fact that as ellie says there are large majorities you know who who still want democracy who still believe that everyone should be able to vote regardless of race regardless of age regardless you know of what state they live in that everyone should have equal access to the ballot that believe that when a, when somebody wins an election and somebody loses that should carry you shouldn't be able to just flip an election and give it to who you want the the, the things that the vast majority of people want women to have liberty personal bodily liberty most people want that but that between Republicans who don't respect the rules and the laws and who are willing to, to cheat and willing to do whatever it takes, and now the courts being on their side, and they're now being a solid majority of them who want to enact hyper right wing, basically even, you know, a certain type of evangelical rule over. You've made the point in terms of the quest for unity that at the end of the day, Americans usually can rally together when something catastrophic has occurred. Sometimes that's what's required to focus on our underlying humanity. And yet, the attack on the Capitol on January 6th does not seem to have united us. Instead, there is, remains an effort to rewrite even that recent history. So what hope do you have about a path forward when we have not been able to unite around an attack on our Capitol 
the worst and the first since the War of 1812. Yeah, I, I, it's, it's terrifying. This is one of the great crises, along with the Civil War, the Depression, and the Second World War, that we have in large measure because um, things fall apart. The center cannot hold. Mere entropy is loosed upon the world, as William Butler H. wrote. Um, it's, a, it's a terrifying consideration. A lot of it has to do with the platforms of information that promote. It's in their interest to do that. If you get your news from one echo chamber, you're in dangerous trouble. Risking now, in the midst of this coronavirus, the, your own life and the lives of the people you love the most, and your friends and your community. Um, you know, we're, we're, we've always wrestled with the idea of freedom in the United States. That's, that's our story. Uh, Muhammad Ali is entirely about that. All he wanted was to be free. He said, I got my freedom and I never lost sense of the folks that I was representing. I never left them behind. And that was true and the mark of a real hero. But let's remember in America, we have to parse freedom. There's freedom what I want, personal freedom you know, which is selfish, what I want. I want to do what I want to do. And there's our collective freedom, what we need. And we have always been our better selves. We have always appealed to our better angels when we have yielded to that collective, what we need, rather than what I want. So when somebody has turned in wearing masks into some anti-freedom statement or taking a vaccine which will save their lives into some anti-freedom, we've lost the center. The center is not holding, you know. Leading figures on the far right have been sounding the alarm on Afghanistan evacuees all week. The refugees are coming. The refugees are coming. Former intel that are telling me people that are being brought in here, there is a significant percentage that are future Boston Marathon bombers because they're not doing adequate vetting. Over on Fox, human manure spreader Tucker Carlson has floated yet another race-baiting conspiracy theory that tens of thousands of Afghan refugees are being welcomed into this country in order to change the outcome of future elections. Many of whom will now be moved into neighborhoods around the United States and stay permanently. They didn't seem to encounter any problems in doing this, thanks to meticulous and thoughtful planning, Operation Change America Forever came off precisely according to plan. It worked flawlessly. Did he say Operation Change America forever? I think change is already in the air. We had an insurrection nearly eight months ago, an insurrection that, let's face it, hasn't really ended, in part because you have Republican members of Congress using this kind of rhetoric. That's why Biden and the Democrats have to immediately fix the Supreme Court. They, uh, the Republicans stole a seat. Gorsuch is up, sitting there from Obama. They put Amy Coney Barrett there uh, during, uh, during an election. Voting had actually started. And Kavanaugh, an accused rapist, credibly accused rapist, um, they have packed the court and we have to fix it. We have a radical Supreme Court beholden to very right-wing ideologues and the idea that they would let this law sit there and not stop it is outrageous. They, the majority said it was novel and complex. It's not novel or complex. It's it, much like the Ku Klux Klan Act uh, stopped catching slaves in free states after the Dred Scott decision.
bounty hunters were allowed to go into free states and steal slaves back and bring them back to the South. And after the Civil War, our Congress passed the Ku Klux Klan Act, which gives you a right to sue individuals who act under of color of state law to violate the rights of others. That's exactly what is happening here. It's not complex. And the Supreme Court has ruled twice that that is acting under color of state law if the state law gives private rights of, of action that help you violate other citizens' rights. So it's really an outrageous decision, and it's a lie that it's complex or novel. It's kind of novel that they're using it for abortion, but even in, in 1973, the Supreme Court ruled that the state can't delegate veto power over abortions to individuals. So it's not that novel, and, and it just shows how far right-wing the court has become. So aside from fixing the Supreme Court, as you put it, Nancy, how do you yeah. challenge this Texas law? Well, since they stopped a hearing that was supposed to take place today, I don't know how you stop this, these, these radical. I think, well, thank God we have Garland in the, the Department of Justice. We have to criminally prosecute under the FACE Act, which is an act that protects women's rights to actually go to an abortion provider and get medical care for reproductive decisions that are supposed to be private. So the FACE Act should be very, very vigorously enforced. And, and entities that go into court and try to stop providers and Uber drivers and friends and family who support a woman's rights to make her own medical decisions, they should be criminally charged under the FACE Act, not just civilly. We need to fight this as hard as we can because these people are ruthless and they'll do anything. If you've been near an abortion clinic recently, and I have, it's so abusive to women what is happening there. They had bright lights out the minute this became law on September 1st. Looking into women's cars. How do you know how pregnant a woman is? By the way, most women don't know they're pregnant by six weeks. But how do you know that? Now, does the law give them the right to violate HIPAA mm. and get women's medical records? It's it, as, as was pointed out in that wonderful uh, piece, these are people who say you can't force me to wear a mask to stop a pandemic. So it's very difficult how we're going to fix yeah, this. Aaron, and at those clinics, we all know that every time abortion is sort of in the public eye, this is a daily reality at clinics that can always get worse. Uh, the violence and the intimidation outside of clinics accelerates. And yeah. so it is already, I've reported at many, many abortion clinics, it's already a scary situation to walk in and the individuals are just women and other people who are getting abortions are just trying to get their medical care. And they're screamed right. at and there's expletives and there's threats of violence. And so to, to the extent that enforcing the FACE Act will protect abortion patients in other states, that's... They just fucking hate you. Sorry, the, this is a really smoky cigar. Good Lord. They just hate everybody. They hate anybody who doesn't think like them. They don't want any fucking pushback. They're the smartest people in the room. I mean, did you see that fucking person? What the fuck was that? I I, I just, I, uh, fuck, I don't want to be fucking anti-transphobic uh, or I don't know what the fuck that was in the Joey Reid segment. But those people, those are good people. You're a bad person. You're a bad person because you want a normal family or you misgender because you don't fucking know any better or you don't, you have manners or fuck. That's all they care about.
This was the biggest shit show ever. Ever, 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 ever. And they know it because... Oh, sorry. Fucking up by the numbers. Because they instantaneously bailed off this shit. But I'm going to get one last soundbite, and then we're going to go into our jerk-off of the week. And you know what it is. The jerk-off of the week, boys and girls, is the fact that we're on fucking abortion and climate change and anything else they can talk about instead of the shit show he created. Hi, I'm Nick Palmashano. And I'm Matt Finney. And this is the Bad News Network. For the first time in 20 years, America does not have a military presence in Afghanistan. As many of you know, I spent the last week and a half overseas as part of the Save Our Allies Coalition, helping get American citizens, green card holders, SIV applicants, women, Christians, and orphans out of Afghanistan. I posted an hour and 10 minute interview the boys made me knock out the second I got off the plane yesterday, so I don't wanna rehash all of it. I will say with pride that the 12 guys that were part of our team were able to get 12,000 people out of the country using aircraft given to us by our partner nation, as well as three charter planes. We were responsible for 10% of all evacuations out of the country and the superhuman effort by all involved is one of the most hardcore and dedicated events I've ever witnessed. It was rough on the ground. The desperation was like nothing any of us had ever seen. I have so much love and admiration for the troops that served at those gates. They had to play God, deciding who got in and who didn't, knowing that those who didn't could face an untimely and brutal death. As the days went on, we became hopeful that we had met the end of US casualties until the bomb went off. We lost 13 Americans, all in their early 20s or teens. Another 15 are still in the hospital, many in critical condition. And for a few days, everyone appeared to care. The stories of those we have lost have covered the news. Everyone suddenly had an opinion about Afghanistan. Politics reigned supreme. Hot takes have been written by every writer that touches the military or political space and many more that are new to the topic. But where's everyone been? Where have the politicians been for the last two decades? Just letting this war happen indefinitely with no end in sight and no vision for victory. Where was the congressional oversight? Where's the news been? Yeah, there's been coverage, but none of it prime time. Thousands of troops have been killed. 10 times the Afghans have been killed. And we've written it off to the cost of war. You know, that war that Congress hasn't really been paying any attention to. Where have the people been? Arguing about nonsense, gaslighting each other, making every minor disagreement about policy sound like the end of the world, but mostly just ignoring it. Just being comfortable sending a new fresh batch of 19-year-olds into the war. You know, the one that you haven't noticed much, that the news barely covers, and that Congress hasn't really been paying any attention to. When we aren't reminded, when we don't pay attention, when we don't see, it's easy to lose empathy. The cold comments that I'd gotten used to before heading on this trip cut harder after coming back. Because I had forgotten too. I forgot how much we ask of these kids. And I'm calling them kids because I have a kid the same age as all these troops that were killed. And my kid is one year away from his commission. And I want someone to care if we send him to war. And I want the media to care about where he is sent and what he is doing. And I want you all to care about his life. A lot of people are talking about who's to blame for this tragic loss. Biden's 
withdrawal, Bush's Iraq war, Obama's drone strikes and loss of moral authority, Trump's bad deal. Yes, check, all of the above. But Congress didn't care. Neither party moved to solve this problem. Military leadership lied. They spoke in OER bullets instead of reality. But most of all, we, the American people, did not demand oversight, did not demand a plan, did not demand that the conditions were set for victory. And in doing so, we, not anyone else, got a lot of young men and women killed. 20-year-olds that would never know marriage or children, that would never have post-military careers, that would never know peace. We rightly talk about the hate the Taliban bring, their intolerance, their propensity for violence. But there's something worse than hate, indifference. Our kids died first and foremost because we were too lazy to care. I never want to see that happen again. Stop it. I am politics. The media jerk off of the week. So hot. You know, Charlie, I didn't recognize you come from this pedigree of Republicans who will stand up and oppose their party on the abortion issue. I, I never knew that Mary Crisp Dent, Mary Dent Crisp, I, sh I should say, was an aunt of yours. Please explain what happened in 1980. Yeah, well, she was my father's uh, sister. Uh, she was co-chair of the Republican National Committee at the time and, uh, and leading Republican from Arizona, grew up in Pennsylvania. Uh, but she objected to uh, the party's position to turn its back on what was then the Equal Rights Amendment and also women's reproductive rights. Uh, and at the 1980 Republican Convention in Detroit, she basically resigned and walked out over the whole issue. Uh, and she warned at the time that this was going to cost Republicans a lot of women voters and there would be deep political consequences. And she was right because there's been a gender gap ever since. And laws like this one we've just seen passed in Texas will only further widen that gender cap and turn it into a, a massive canyon. Right. But I have to point out, I mean, what you're what you're saying is that your aunt objected to the GOP going full on pro-life in the platform in 1980. Correct. But Ashley, I'll, I'll direct I'll direct this to you. Ronald Reagan then won in a landslide. So maybe this is not all doom and gloom for the GOP. But I agree with you, Whoopi, in the sense that I see this incredible hypocrisy coming from the Christian right. Um, amongst especially people like myself who say that abortion is wrong and say it's about the sanctity of life, yet they're so supportive of gun ownership. They're so supportive of AR-15s. Mm -hmm. They're so supportive of the death penalty. Death penalty. Yeah. They're so supportive of never-ending wars. Well, they also don't care after the kid is born. Yeah, and then well, they drop you like part, a hot rock. That part. Um, they're so supportive um, of personal freedoms to choose not to be vaccinated. They're so supportive of personal freedoms not to wear a mask. Yeah. Yet, um, but they, but sorry, they, this is about women. They're, they're, this well, is hatred it, it, of women. And, but they claim to be pro-life. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I have to get that out there because this is really about personal choice. Well, I, I do get that now after yeah. being on the show for five mm -hmm, years. Mm -hmm. <laughs> As we Nobody, start. I think I can say this for every person in the world, is pro-abortion. No. That is a decision that people are brought to, and, and it is a, a life-changing, hard, 
altering that no man ever has to face. No. No man has to face no. this. But we have to begin with the latest on Texas's new abortion law, which honestly seems like something straight out of Gilead. It relies on citizens, regular citizens just like you and me, to enforce it basically letting them sue anybody who helps a woman get an abortion, and it awards them 10 stacks if they succeed. This entire thing about protecting the fetus, when they care so little for life uh, uh, in this country, is beyond comprehension. Uh, it just feels like they really must hate women in Texas and all across the country. How is it possible the Supreme Court allowed this to stand? I know that they haven't ruled on it, uh, but they can rule later. But we have an actual handmaid on the court. So I have to tell you, I'm not so excited about depending on them to protect me and my right to choose. The frightening thing about this is the incentiv uh, incentivizing vigilance. I mean, you can imagine my lived experience in this country. Vigilante justice is something that's very frightening. And we know all too well what happens when dangerous white men are in power and decide to exert that power over those uh, of us who are not in power. So legally, Ellie, what can be done? What should we be demanding of the Biden administration uh, to immediately bring this to a screeching halt? I heard your frustration. But what I'm looking for is how do we stop this? None of this is easy, guys, and none of this is clean. And to stop these people at this point, it's going to require some creativity, and it's going to require the Biden administration willing to get its hands dirty. There are solutions here, but there's no silver bullet. There's nothing that Biden can do and then stay behind like, oh, this is institutionally the way that things. No, no, no. You have to be creative. You have to be willing to get you have to be willing to go buck wild. I'm sure that the University of Texas at Austin is very excited to have you as a student there. You're going to do a lot. Uh, I'm sure you're going to bring a lot to that campus. But let's start, Paxton, by asking you your reaction to this week's news in Texas. What were you thinking? It's incredibly upsetting. And it's very hard to believe that something like this could happen in America. Some of the principles of this nation that have been drilled into me since I was five years old is that this nation values freedom and liberty, but my state has gone against those principles and has taken away a basic human right from half of its population. So that's your state, but how concerned are you about the precedent being set here, not just for Texas, but for other states across this country? It's very frightening. Texas has not been the first state to try to ban abortions, but it is one of the first for its bans to go through. And other states who are trying to ban abortions and who are trying to stop abortion in their state could take after the success that Texas has had. And that really worries me for the state of our country that other states are probably going to try and do the same thing. So what do you want to say to Governor Abbott? What do you want to say to the Supreme Court in this 5-4 ruling? If I had something to say to Greg Abbott, it would be that he has either chosen to ignore or does not know that by banning abortions, he's only getting rid of safe abortions. He has either chosen to ignore or does not know that thousands of people ended up in emergency rooms before Roe v. Wade. Well, you know, I was just I'm listening to this conversation and I was listening to that question that got asked Jen Psaki and Jen's response to this. And I'm offended by that guy's question. I'm a, somebody that was raised Roman Catholic. I'm a Christian. I go to church every week. And the idea that these folks think that the word pro-life belongs in their mouth, it ought to be ripped out of their mouth. Because what the fuck happened to Matt Dowd? He's offended by an actual question, a question that should be asked. He, once again, we spent all these years with Trump using everything against him. 
We used everything against Bush. We used everything against everybody. I mean, if you're a Republican, you get fucking skull fucked daily. He's the one saying he's the perfect Catholic. Well, you can't be the perfect Catholic if you're down with abortion. Sorry about that. But they do everything. Salon biologist says biology does not determine when human life begins. Perhaps future biologists will learn more. When human life begins is a question of politics, not biology. The, oh, that's like really big. Sorry. Hey, at least I got some pictures, man. I, I threw this shit together last night when I got home and whipping it out. The overall point is that biology does not determine when human life begins. It's a question that can only be answered by appealing to our values, examining what we take to be human. Perhaps biologists of the future will learn more. Until then, when human life begins during fetal development is a question for philosophers and theologians. Do you remember the Maisie Hirono bullshit where we just changed the dictionary? This is what we do. This is what we do. Then you got this fucking shit. New abortion protesters plan to picket Justice Brett Kavanaugh's house. That won't be covered. A few notes for attendees. Please try to be as inclusive as possible in your language. Women and girls are not the only people who can get pregnant. Yes, they are. Sorry to ruin your day, you fucking shitbirds. Please avoid comparing U.S. abortion restriction politicians to Taliban. The former are a distinctly homegrown phenomenon, and ignoring that is a flavor of such comparison as Islamophobic. Yes, oppressive right-wing factions are a problem wherever they are. You see? Do you see? They think a person who doesn't believe in born-alive abortion is worse than the Taliban. They all need a plane ticket. Portland to cut trade and travel in Texas. These They do this every time. It makes no fucking sense. And then CNN loses their shit because those little cocksucks that went up and gave everybody COVID embarrassed themselves, the people that didn't do their duty and just left. Well, the bill's in. Just in, Texas Republican Governor Greg Abbott has signed into law a bill that bans 24-hour and drive-through voting, imposing new hurdles on mail-in ballots and empowers partisan poll watchers. Bans 24-hour and drive-through voting, new vote-by-mail ID mandates, bans officials from mailing unsolicited mail-in ballot applications, empowers poll watchers, new requirement for assisting voters, monthly voter roll checks. My God, it's like Jim Crow. So what's the problem? I'm reading this and I'm not seeing little Jim Eagle here. I don't, I just don't understand how they're still considered news. And then while people are picketing, we will not tolerate violence against those seeking to obtain or provide reproductive health care. A.G. Garland releases a statement on Texas restrictive work. Violence seems to be the latest word for the left has taken to change the meaning of to suit their position. How is this news? Is there a rash of violence at abortion clinics? No, they're still clinging to the one crazy motherfucker who killed people. That's what they're doing. They they don't have anything else. Their whole fucking shtick is January 6th. That's their stick. We're going to go January 6th forever and ever ever and ever that's all we're gonna do because yeah that's that's what we do that's what we do 
So to make things better somehow in their snail brain and get everything off of Afghanistan, the other is climate. Here's your president. Much worse if we didn't take action. And now, you know, decades later, we're saying the same thing. And now what we mean by action is a dramatically different thing. If we had acted decades ago, we could have brought our carbon emissions down fairly gently. We could have sort of gradually moved away from fossil fuels. Now, in order to prevent a truly catastrophic warming of the planet of more than three degrees Fahrenheit, we have to bring our carbon emissions down by a factor of 50% within the next 10 years. And that's going to require a monumental effort on our part. There's some signs of progress. The United States has made a very bold pledge uh, to bring its carbon emissions down by that amount within the next 10 years. Other leaders from other countries are now coming to the table. The United States is once leading again on this issue, and that's making a real difference. But there's still a gap between what countries are promising and the policies that they have in place, what we call an implementation gap. We're still building new fossil fuel infrastructure when the conservative International Energy Agency has... Let's go around and talk about critiques of the coverage thus far. James Fallows, first to you. You wrote a a groundbreaking book uh, decades ago, Breaking the News, where you critiqued the American media's obsession with breaking news coverage. What has gone wrong in the coverage in the last two weeks, in your view? I think here there's been a gross failure by the U.S. media by the instant equation of the fall of Kabul with the fall of Saigon, which it has almost nothing in similar in similar that is similar except for the pictures of helicopters. I can make the case uh, later on, but I think the keeping thing can, things in perspective is where the media have fallen shortest on the U.S. side. So the comparisons between Saigon and Kabul, which we heard a lot two weeks ago, you're saying those were those were beside the point. It, it, it flattens the reality of what happened in the Vietnam War to say that mm. what's happening in Kabul now tragic as it is, is similar to that. There are multiple major events happening this uh, month. Um, the COVID crisis among the unvaccinated in, in America. Uh, climate change. I mean, my God, this hurricane is a monster. Uh, how, what do you say about proportionality and about how much Afghanistan should be the front page story versus COVID or climate change or other stories? Determined. We are determined that we are going to deal with climate change and, and have zero emissions net emissions by 2050. By 2020, make sure all our electricity is zero emissions. Yeah, I know I played that one twice. It deserves it. Then you have Seltzer. Should we cover climate change more? Because it's more important than Afghanistan. Of course it is. And then we're going to literally, we're going to have clean energy uh, by uh, 2020. That's what your president said. 2020. And it's 2020. Fall football on borrowed time. Yes, say climate change alarmists. I'm perfect world. The North American swing would be the first of February, March, blah, 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 blah. Between the infernal heat, Australian Open, and the U.S. Open scene last night, tennis really needs some sort of bipartisan climate change. Because I think the 10 to 15 year playing football in August and September is going to be untenable. Yeah, right. Propaganda alert. Over 200 health journals whine for urgent access, urgent action on climate crisis and people's responses to where we're going to have clean energy by 2020. He's senile. The man is senile. Then we get to the best way we flip. It's, it's what we always do. 
when things don't go our way, we move straight on into, you guessed it, boys and girls, COVID. But now, oh, Fauci, you lying cocksucker. Dr. Anthony Fauci tonight on the crowds this Labor Day weekend saying, I don't think it's smart. And what he's now saying about booster shots, that third shot, will it soon be part of this fight against the virus? We've got to get the school system masked in addition to surrounding the children with that with vaccinated people. That's the solution. But after Labor Day weekend saw big crowds and thousands packed into football stadiums, health officials are bracing for more outbreaks. I don't think it's smart. I think when you're dealing particularly in, if you know, outdoors is always better than indoors. But even when you have such a congregate setting of people close together, first you should be vaccinated. And when you do have congregate settings, particularly indoors, you should be wearing a mask. Gain-of-function research was going on in that lab, and NIH funded it. That is can't not... get away from it. It meets your definition, and you are obfuscating the truth. You're not obfuscating the truth. You are implying that what we did was responsible for the deaths of individual. I totally resent that. Have and if anybody is lying been. here, Senator, it is you. Remember this? Dr. Fauci and Senator Rand Paul getting heated on the Senate floor back in July over the origins of COVID-19. Now, since the beginning of the investigation, Dr. Fauci has denied that the U.S.-funded gain-of-function research happened in the Wuhan lab or that it happened at all. But a new report by The Intercept is confirming what we all knew all along. They uncovered hundreds of documents from the National Institute of Health, revealing that EcoHealth Alliance used federal grant money for bat corona research. So, per SOP, we just make fucking shit up. We just make it up, man. They've been making this shit up forever. Falky's a fucking liar, and they buried it. We'll get more into that in a second. It's just a fucking lie. File drawing study that found student masking did not have a statistical benefit. A study suggesting no clear benefit from school mandate has many experts questioning the policy, and it breaks it down that it was all bullshit. Former Obama head. Uh, I think that was Brian Seltzer. I don't think I have this one. Uh, have you noticed how strikingly similar both the mind spots and actions are between the suicide bombers at Kabul airport and the anti-mask and anti-vax people here? They both pull themselves up and flick harm on those around them and are convinced they're fighting for freedom. They hate you. Just remember that. Seltzer retweets explanation of how AP got its Invermentison story so wrong. This one is one in a million. Or one of a million. We've been doing this in the age of Trump. Bullshit stories. Total fucking lies. Everybody carries it. No retraction. And the basic thesis is just... Well, you know what? I'm I'm going to I'm going to save your time and I'm going to do a great little hit by Greg Gutfeld. Well, it's going to take a while to download it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to keep rolling here really quick. Here's some other hits. Over 1 in 5,000 
if you're vaccinated, you'll get a case. One in 5,000. One in 5,000. That's it. That's it. One in 5,000. But we're completely locked back down. I'm going to come back to Falky. Let's go straight in. Um, uh-huh. Here we go. We'll come back to this. We'll come back to this. Glenn Greenwald. Where are we at? Okay. So this is Daniel Dare. Here's a statement from the hospital. Daniel Dale, and I can just cliff note this, fact checker Daniel Dale explains how the viral Oklahoma intermittence mess is actually largely conservatives' fault. So this is not a great by anyone in the sharing chain, but then some of the people criticizing other for jumping to conclusions themselves jumped to conclusions based on the lease from one Oklahoma hospital system that said it hadn't seen any patients with the intermittent process. That hospital is only one of ones. I'll note that the local outlet is standing by its story. Anyway, I'd say that a lot of people involved here, certainly local outlets, the big aggregate outlets, the prominent tweeters on the left, but also some critics on the right, could have done a better job. So it's conservatives' fault that you ran with this bullshit story. Industrial Hygiene Corporation, in conjunction with Self-Assembling Elves, presents How to Be a Journalist. With your host, Brad Pitt. Hi, I'm your host, Brad Pitt. So let's talk about Rolling Stone, also known as crap. The once great, now pile of wet garbage published a story claiming that an Oklahoma hospital was so overwhelmed by patients overdosing on horse dewormer medications that actual gunshot victims were stuck outside in ambulances waiting for beds. Meanwhile, horses full of worms had to wait outside because they weren't wearing masks. <laughs> now, with a story that sounds this on the nose, you'd assume any competent journalist would reach out to the hospitals before they write about it. After all, these modern facilities have phones and fax machines and carrier pigeons and a brand new thing that we like to call email. <laughs> Having two or more sources verifying information before you present it as fact. Oh, but where's the fun in that? But no, this is Rolling Stone, whose readership still hasn't used their AOL free trial CDs. <laughs> it's the weakened at Bernie's version of journalism, a dead product propped up by virtue signaling and competence who believe instead of think. Their writing is so painful they should change their name to Kidney Stone. And Stephen King has nothing on these turds when it comes to fiction, especially when they try to own the rubes. The story was originally from Oklahoma's K4 TV, quoting some doctor, but then the Northeastern hospital system denied that any patients were treated for ODs and that this doctor actually hadn't worked at one of the hospitals in question for months. I haven't seen denial this strong since the time Elton John married a woman. <laughs> so there were absolutely no overdoses related to ivermectin, nor were any patients turned away due to an overload of such cases. Okay, but apart from those little details, the story checked out just fine. 
At first, Rolling Stone kept pushing the story, then it ran an update, no retraction, and then when it just got too big to bury, they ran a humiliating correction. But not before a pile of liberal mainstream media figures embraced their crap, spreading it all over the web. Rachel, Rachel Maddow tweeted about it. Joy Reid, who apparently still has a job, promoted the story on her show. The emergency room in one rural Oklahoma town is being overwhelmed by people overdosing on ivermectin, the horse deworming medication. It's gotten so bad that gunshot victims, gunshot victims are having to wait to be treated. Great job there, Joy. But maybe it's time MSNBC got treated for worms. <laughs> After all, how many times have their hosts looked like a horse's ass? <laughs> Drew Holden compiled a list of suckers who bought this story. From Business Insider to The Guardian, mindless dupes like Justin Barragona of The Daily Beast and Roland Martin, who doesn't know his elbow from his ascot. There was an MSNBC producer and so on. These idiots are wrong more often than Biden trying to button up his shirt. So what's the lesson here? Well, the fake story took off without anyone within that media bubble applying the brakes. Instead, they placed both their feet on the gas pedal. Why is that? Well, first of all, the media is not our best and brightest people, present company excluded, of course. <laughs> Hell, you find better and smarter folks in the front row of a midnight cockfight in Guam, especially those whose only content is clickbait designed to make their leftist consumers feel superior. And that's what this story did. It gave their patients a dose of dumb redneck therapy, something to chat about while Sunshine, the barista, screws up your latte. And this ain't the first for Rolling Stone. They were responsible for one of the most damaging hoaxes ever, a piece called A Rape on Campus, which described a gang rape at the University of VA, a crime that never happened. They gleefully ran with it, even though the reporting had bigger holes in it than Hunter Biden's septum. <laughs> they later retracted the story, you know, after the lives of the accused were ruined forever. UVA's reputation was severely tarnished and American colleges went into a full-blown panic due to a make-believe campus rape epidemic. You'd think they'd learn, but to learn, you have to suffer unpleasant consequences. Meanwhile, Rolling Stone just got a new editor-in-chief from, of all places, the Daily Beast. That's like hi hiring your babysitter from death row. It's a bummer. I grew up idolizing Rolling Stone. When The Clash or Cheap Trick made the cover, it validated my life because those were my bands. So I tolerated their editor's commie leftism because I loved the music. Now it's a mess. Rolling Stone is to journalism as barfing into an air conditioner is to air conditioner repair. <laughs> but maybe they always sucked and I didn't know it. After all, Rolling Stone panned Led Zeppelin's first two albums, Jimi Hendrix's first album. They panned Black Sabbath's first album, Nirvana's Nevermind, Neil Young's Harvest, The Rolling Stone's Exile on Main Street. Need I go on? Why isn't this magazine locked up in Gitmo where it belongs? But perhaps they should stop doing music altogether and stick to poli politically owning the rubes. Here's some cover ideas. Transgender raccoon families. Babies or rabies. <laughs> Why you should never trust white people, except for us, because we liked Tracy Chapman. 800-pound man dies at hot dog eating contest. COVID suspected. <laughs> Top 500 songs of all time. Number one, My Humps by Black Eyed Peas. <laughs> Actor Tom Hanks has temporarily passed away. <laughs> Why aren't they called African-American Sabbath? <laughs> <laughs> Finally, Dewey defeats Truman. Still magic. 
So just embrace it, Rolling Stone, because your past role as a respected music magazine is over. You may be a Rolling Stone, but your grave has been gathering moss for years. Drew Holden, of course, takes it to task because that's what he does. And I'll cliff note it. It first all context, there's original piece from Long Stone, follow-up from the actual hospital saying the story was BS. But it wasn't just a single story out there either. Plenty of other places picked up on the story too, with no additional sourcing or research. Here's a business newsletter parroting the scoop. But the real champion of it all was Maddo. It went viral. Of course, she'll grab anything to say those rubes are bad. The binary if Cohen pushed a baseless lie on the show called No Lies is really just a little too on the nose. We've even had an executive producer from MSD and C push the story that wasn't. Lauren Pickoff. Yeah, there she is. For some reason, British outlets went on it. I just really understand the seemingly real news outlets like Newsweek, Daily News, and The Hill didn't even bother to look into the story. They didn't. None of them did. Because why would we? Why would we? Why? Why? The reality is we fucking lie. It's what we do. If it can burn and we can own the cons, we make shit up. It's what they've been doing for fucking ever. And it used to be subtle. Subtleties. But then we had to beat Trump. And we have to get that. We lost. You know, that's really what it comes down to. They lost and it fucking killed them. It just killed them. So to the fucky, which I played, folks, this is like the eighth fucking rollout of Falky. Oh, I have not played. Falky is a lying I'm a soup bone. It's six o'clock in the morning, but yeah, uh, we did play it. We did play it. So here is our rundown. CNN Jim Shooto lands interview with Falke and doesn't even ask about the intercept bombshell report. He lied under oath, refunding China's gain-of-function research. They likely led to creation of COVID. Dr. Fauci criticized colleges for hosting packed football games. For the record, the intercept reporting was circulating for hours before the interview was conducted. But it's CNN, the most trusted name in fucking nothing. I put this in here on purpose. My baby point blank asked a man getting into an elevator after us, why aren't you wearing a mask? He said, sorry, and got out of the elevator. That's my girl. Yeah, that didn't happen, but go ahead. So they tried to suppress Falky. CNN tried to help him with bullshit. And then once again... We dig back into exclusive documents obtained by The Intercept provide details of U.S.-funded research on several types of coronavirus. Glenn Greenwald, the journalist. This is amazing. In July, The Intercept had one of the most dishonest partisan hacks. Robert Mackey basically called Rand Paul a liar and deranged conspiracy theorists over and over, suggesting Fauci funded the research. But yesterday... The very same intercept 
admits it sought documents about the Falke-funded research by EcoHealth that raised additional questions and theory that the pandemic may have been a lab accident. Specifically, the document the Intercept sought, which I bet any amount of money they thought would debunk Paul and vindicate Falke, instead did the oppo. Even when they accidentally do reporting that undermines liberal political causes, Intercept editors have to make sure they stay loyal. They admit that Dasik highly risks research was funded by NAD, but never once mentioned Falke. And just by the way, this is why I also found irrational and comprehensible the inconsistence by some of the left that the lab leak theory shouldn't be investigated, even if it's true, due to fears of stoking Cold War with China. Another takedown. This is uh, Richard E. Ebright. We're going to get our cigar going. Documents provide detail of U.S. funding on the coronavirus at the Wuhan Institute. The Intercept has obtained more than 900 pages of documents detailing work at EcoHealth Alliance and the Chinese lab. The trove of documents include two previously unpublished giant proposals that were funded by NAAD, as well as a project update relating to the EcoHealth Alliance. The materials show that 2014 and 2019 NIH grants to EcoHealth with subcontracts to WIV funded gain-of-function research and defi- defined in federal policy in effect of 2014 to 2017, and then from 2017 to present. This has been evident previously for published research papers that accredited the 2014 grant and for the public available summary of the 2019 grant, but this now to be stated definitively for progress reports of the 2014 grant and the full proposal. The material confirmed the grants and supported the construction in Wuhan. This material reveals that the resulting novella laboratory-generated SARS-related coronavirus also could infect mice that had human-made mice. The material further revealed for the first time that one of the resulting Novell Laboratory-generated SARS-related coronavirus, one not been previously disclosed publicly, was more pathogen to humanized mice than a started virus which was constructed, and thus not only was reasonably anticipated to exhibit enhanced pathogenicity, but indeed was demonstrated to exhibit enhanced pathogenicity. I don't know what that means. Uh, This goes on and on and on. Rand Paul was right. That's what that means. Ran Paul was right. Fauci lied. He lied and he lied and he lied and he gets away with it. And there'll be no media even covering this because they just don't give a fuck. I mean, this is a study. Oh, I had one more article. Southern GOP allergic to science for avoiding school mass mandates. Whole article. You know, they're going to keep writing about the South. That's what they do. They dog the South because it makes them feel better about themselves. Because, you know, I even had a guy fucking troll me for saying that part of the Pac-12 problem is that they're in goddamn blue states. And they're... Do you think Alabama is doing a lot of protocols prepping for this season? Does anybody believe that? Get the fuck out of here. Where I live, COVID's over. Man, this fucking cigar is kicking my ass. I guess I haven't smoked a cigar in a long time, and I don't have a torch. I'm using the wife's lighter, and it kind of sucks ass. All right. 
Here's some studies. Actual news is hard to find on today's cable news. News reports of correspondence, 11%. Live coverage, 9 Brief anchor read, 1.6. Total hard news, 22. The rest, all opinion. Look at that shit. Primetime, 90. Combined, 77. Daytime. Political news. Overwhelm all other topics on cable news. It's all politics. They don't talk about anything else. Why would they? Right now, it hurts Democrats. Another study, the big three news are the newsiest compared to everybody else. The morning is soft and news at night, and compared to cable broadcast, look at that shit. One point two eight on our military that's been fighting for fucking ever. Hmm. Yeah. That, that that just doesn't that just doesn't surprise me. Doesn't surprise me. None of it does. It is what we are. And to show that nothing's really changed, alright? I pulled a few woke things. I'm just gonna spin through it. And then we're gonna do our clothes. Played that on the intro. The pride flag's better than the American flag. I've been reading about our fallen heroes all day, and then I see this. It made me weep. I don't even get affected by it anymore. It just doesn't bother me. This is who they are. They hate you. You're worse than the Taliban. What don't you get? Then Tom Selleck says Jesus Christ is responsible for our success for life. And he gets bashed on Twitter. ABC. Jobless Americans have few options as benefits expire. Now hiring. It's right there. The sign's right there. I have three bodies for a store. People don't want to work. You can get free. Free is so much better. Then you have this turd burglar. This is really huge. Sorry. Went, was going to cover it last time. They want to do a new thing where you get beat up, and guess what you do? You spend time with the person who beat your ass. Okay. Rashida Tlaib. Pressler. They're doing all that rent stuff. Yeah, it's because they're landlords. Bank of America is doing a 28-day, oh, I missed this one, Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine urges use of chest feeding. Then we have Bank of America court teaches employees the United States a system of white supremacy, promotes the abolishment of the police, and workers to decolonize. Earlier in the year, Bank of America United Way implemented a race re-education program called United in Action, encouraging employees to participate in Racial Equity 21-Day Challenge. Glad they're not my bank. But the capper 
Let me put it up. Yes, this is CNN. White supremacy with the tan. Remember, they're saying we're all going to be sent away because our country's going to be all ethnic. And now I guess black people are going to become racist. You know you're fucking trying to polish a turd when you're going with that. I mean, you just know it. Which brings us to our close. We're going to start with a soundbite here. And I believe it's Joe Scarborough. Joe Scarborough. And then at ABC, with them trying to take credit, the State Department, for what we know the State Department's not doing for these private agencies trying to save people. And tonight, more details on this Texas mother and her three children who escaped Afghanistan overland with help from the State Department and a nonprofit. Oklahoma Congressman Mark Wayne Mullen says they traveled 300 miles through 20 Taliban checkpoints at each one, paying 500 to $4,000 per person. A mother and her three children, American citizens, escaped by land yesterday. A veteran-run group helping to facilitate the escape claims the State Department is wrongly taking credit. Corey Mills is part of the group and is running for Congress. No other country ever could do or ever would do. We airlifted 120,000 frightened souls out of Afghanistan. And Americans saved their lives. The C-17 pilot who, as David Ignatius recounted in the Washington Post, roared down a Kabul runway in a plane that was overloaded with 823 desperate Afghan evacuees, double its capacity. And as they were rumbling down that runway and a nervous co-pilot asked if the packed plane could lift off in that intense heat, the pilot answered, just watch me. It's a moment that took me back to the beginning of our war on terror, when Todd Beamer whispered the words, let's roll on Flight 93, before it was taken down in a field in Shanksville, Pennsylvania. And as Carlos Lozada wrote in the Washington Post this week, the passengers of that ill-fated flight quietly voted in the back of the plane whether to rush the cockpit and take their own plane down to protect other Americans on the ground. And as stories of the goodness of Americans who are now coming together, coming together from the left, from the right, uh, progressives, evangelicals coming together to welcome these Afghan refugees to our shores, I have no doubt that despite all of our failings and our flaws, we as a nation will continue stumbling toward the light. With September 11th this weekend, the 20th anniversary, I thought it was prudent to play some pieces from that time and what just happened two weeks ago. Okay, I have got to interrupt you right now. Richard Hack, thank you very much. We appreciate the book is called Hughes. We want to go live right now and show you a picture of the World Trade Center where I understand, do we have it? No, we do not. 
We have a breaking story, though. We're going to come back with that in just a moment. First, this is today on NBC. As Matt just mentioned, we have a breaking news story to tell you about. Apparently, a plane has just crashed into the World Trade Center here in New York City. It happened just a few moments ago, apparently. We have very little information available at this point in time. But on the phone, we do have Jennifer Oberstein, who apparently witnessed this event. Jennifer, can you hear me? Hello? Hi, Jennifer. Hi, Katie. Hi. Can you please tell me what you saw and give me any information about what's going on there? Yes. I have to tell you, um, it's, it's quite terrifying. I'm in shock right now. I came out of the subway at Bowling Green. I was heading to work in Battery Park at the Ritz-Carlton Hotel, and I come out, and it, I, saw a big, I heard a boom walked up, and there was a big ball of fire. I'm now looking north at the World Trade Center, and it is the left twin tower if I'm looking north. I'm in Battery Park right now, and you can hear the fire engines and the emergency, and emergency crews behind me. And... It is unbelievable. When the fire first burst, it was a... Hello? Go yes, ahead. Go we ahead. can hear you. ...in air like I've never seen before. Um, and I, as you know, I used to work in news. I've never seen any fire like this in the air. And the pieces of the building were flying down. It looks like it's the, it's like the top, I can't even tell you, maybe 20 floors. Intense smoke. It's, it's horrible. It's, I, I, I can't even describe it. Do you have any idea what kind of plane it was? I'm sorry? Do you have any idea what hit the World Trade Center? What it was? Yeah, what kind of plane? We're getting reports that an airplane hit the building. Oh, was, I, I didn't even know that. Honestly, I was walking up, and it looked up and saw a big boom and fire. You know, I got to tell you, we were all saying around here that it was very interesting that it would be a bomb and it would be so high up. So it, perhaps, it, perhaps it was a plane. We have no... No talk of a plane. However, I have to tell you, there's still there's still things flying in the air. I mean, it it's mind-boggling and it was it's horrifying. Jennifer, it's Matt Lauer. I, I'd like to ask you, while you were close to the building, or or have you since the explosion seen anyone who's been injured being taken out of the building? Are there ambulances dealing with people on the sidewalk around the building? No, I have not. I, I have not gotten that close. I have to tell you that. My father works in the World Financial Center, and I first called over there to see, because it's next door, to see, you know, if, if he was okay. I couldn't get through, and I'm far away right now. I thought it might be a little dangerous to get too close. I saw lots of, lots of debris coming down, and right now I'm in Battery Park. I don't know, you know, it's, it's only, it's probably a five-minute walk from here to the World Trade Center, but the smoke is incredible. I mean, I can't see the top of the tower. It's starting to cover the top of the second tower. In fact, we're looking at pictures right now, Jennifer, with a huge gaping hole on the side of the building and billowing smoke. So I'm right now, you see, yeah, I'm, I think I, I see major fire. I definitely see fire. And um, Je Jennifer, you said you're looking north at the building. So in other words, you're south of the building. Yes, is that right? Be because we're looking at a picture that is looking at the north side of the uh, building. I'm on the exact opposite side. And, and it appears that is where the largest hole is. And again, as you mentioned correctly, toward the top of the building, but on the north side. And then on the, what I think is the west side of the building, we can also see some holes there that could have been from damage once the impact occurred. Again, we've been told that if this is a plane, we don't have confirmation on that, but there is an enormous hole in the north side of that building. Jennifer, can you tell us a little bit more about what you heard when you heard this explosion? Describe it for us. 
Absolutely. When I uh, walked out of the subway, I looked at the Twin Towers because, I mean, I just always look up there. And uh, right when I looked up, there was a boom. It wasn't. It wasn't that loud. Like it wasn't huge. However, what was unbelievable was the amount of fire. It was a big ball of fire that just went up. And and I looked. I looked around at people. We were all horrified. I, I I'm stuttering because I'm. I'm in such shock. I've never seen anything like it. It's just horrible. And of course, this is real cause for concern because the World Trade Center is one of the busiest office buildings here in New York with. Hundreds, perhaps thousands of, of workers New who. New York State Governor has his office, oh, New York right. City office there. And Several so, thousand. And of workers. course, given the time that this has happened, uh, it's only probably appropriate to surmise that people might have been in the building. And, and you know, we, we've seen stories in the past where planes have hit buildings, small planes, and it would be hard to imagine that a small plane could create that kind of hole in a building like the World Trade Center and create the damage on the other side of the building from the sheer impact. Small, small planes tend to crumple and then fall down the building. Again, we haven't talked to anyone who's close to the base of the building, so we don't know what kind of debris or wreckage. Yes, go ahead, Jennifer. I'm sorry. I'm just talking to a police officer right here, and he says, yes, he heard it was a plane. Does he have any information about what kind of plane it was, or does he, can he tell us any more details? May I, may I, I'm going to put you on hold for one moment, okay? Just to recap, if you're just joining us, you're looking at dramatic pictures of New York's World Trade Center in Lower Manhattan, where a short time ago we are told that a plane crashed into the upper floors of the westernmost tower. You can see a gaping hole. That is on the north side of the building, and you can see residual damage on the west side of that building, and obviously, Fires are burning right now in the World Trade Center. Tall buildings have had a real problem here in New York. There was, back in the 40s, a plane hit the Empire State Building. In the 60s, a helicopter crashed at the, on the top of what was the Pan Am Building, now the MetLife Building. So uh, Right now we're getting information, Al, that it was a small commuter plane. And, of course, we'll let people know as soon as we have more information as to what actually caused this. And, of course, on everybody's mind, who was, yeah. might have been hurt. As a result of, the, of this terrible, terrible incident, we're going to be talking to more eyewitnesses coming up in just a few minutes. We're back at 9 o'clock Eastern Time on this Tuesday morning, and we're back with dramatic pictures of an accident that has happened just a short time ago. You're looking at the World Trade Center in Lower Manhattan, where just a few minutes ago, we're told that a plane, some reports are that it was a small commuter plane, crashed into the upper floors of one of the Twin Towers. You can see fire and flames or smoke billowing from that tower. There is a gaping hole on the north side of the building. That's the side you're seeing to the left-hand side of your screen right now. And other damage to the west side of that building, which is to the right side of your screen. This, of course, happened just before the morning commute, before people were heading into their offices. And while I'm sure some people were already at work, immediately there's speculation or cause for concern. This is the World Trade Center that was the center of a terrorist bombing right. some years ago. So the questions have to be asked, was this purely an accident or could this have been an intentional act? But either way, extensive damage has been done to this building. It also looks like there's smoke coming out of the east side of the building. That shot we just saw looks like white smoke billowing out the side of the east side of the building. Obviously, horrified commuters were, were absolutely devastated when they heard this explosion. We talked with somebody a moment ago about 
that Jennifer Oberstein and also another eyewitness, Elliot Walker, who is actually a producer here on the Today Show. Elliot, can you hear me? Yes, hi, Katie. Hi, Elliot. Tell me where you are and what you saw. Well, I live in this area. I've returned to my apartment, but I was walking down the sidewalk delivering my young daughter to school, and uh, we heard a very loud um, sound, the kind of sound you hear when a plane is, is uh, you know, going fast past you, followed by an enormous crash um, and an immediate explosion. Um, I don't think we could feel shockwaves, but we, we sort of felt like we did. And we were in a position where we could see um, the Trade Center almost immediately between the other buildings, um, and an enormous fireball that must have been 300 feet across was visible immediately. Um, a secondary explosion, I think, and then plumes of smoke. There must, be, there must have been a three-block cloud of, of white smoke. Now, from where I was on the street a moment ago, you can, in fact, see smoke leaving the building on three sides. It seems to be coming out on at least four or five floors. Um, the air is filled with hundreds of thousands of pieces of paper that are just sort of floating like confetti. Um, the area is swarmed with emergency vehicles um, and sirens. Have and you obviously, seen we're very sensitive to this kind of thing in this neighborhood. Elliot, have you, of course, because of the incident that occurred in the early 1990s, have you seen any any evidence, Elliot, of, of people being taken out of the building? Uh, you say that emergency vehicles are there, understandably so, but of course the major concern is human oh loss. I mean, do you know if there were many people in the building? Oh, another time? one just hit. Something else just hit. A very large plane just oh. flew directly over my building, and there's been another collision. Can you see it? I yes. can see it on this shot. Oh my. Something you, else has you just... You know what? We just saw like a plane circling the building. We just saw a plane circling the building a second ago on the shot right before I that. I think there may have been another impact. Can you tell? I just heard another very loud bang and a very large plane that might have been a DC-9 or a 747 just flew past my window and I think it may have hit the Trade Center uh, again. To be, to be honest, Elliot, I didn't, I didn't get the impression that it was that big a plane. It looked I, big from here. I did see a plane go by a second ago though and it, it, it has now impacted the building. I'm yeah. trying to see if it's the different tower. Yeah, I it think is. it it's may have been. I believe tower. the first one was World Trade Center 1, and it looks from what I'm seeing on the television like it may have been We're the second see, building. This is hit. a piece of tape, and we may actually see another plane enter the picture here in a second. I wonder if there are air traffic control problems. Let's go back to Jennifer Oberstein, who was talking to a second ago. Jennifer, did you see this happen? Hello? Did Jennifer? you just see this happen, Jennifer? Matt, yeah. I, I'm. I've never seen any, it looks like a movie. I saw a large plane, like a jet, going immediately headed directly into the World Trade Center. It, it, it just flew into it, into the, into the other tower coming from south to north. I watched the plane fly into the World Trade Center. It was a jet, it was a very large plane. It was going south, it went past the Ritz-Carlton Hotel that's being built in Battery Park. It went, flew right past, it almost hit it, and then went in. This is so shocking, of course, to everybody watching. I. I've never seen anything like it. It literally blew itself into World Trade Center. Obviously now we, we move from what, what appears to have, there it is right there. Again, I'm looking from south to north, that, and it went into the, the one on the right. That appeared to be at least a 727. We saw it a second ago. Here, it, here comes the videotape that we, we just showed you. You will see what appears to be a large plane. It could be a 727 right there, maybe even bigger, flying right into the side of the World Trade Center. 
it was at least a 727. I, it was a jet. I couldn't believe my eyes watching it right above me. And, and now you, you have to move from talk about a possible accident to talk about something deliberate that has happened here. We're going to immediately check with air traffic control in the area to find out if they had contact with either of these planes before the accident, but what we've just seen is, is about the most shocking videotape I've ever seen. What are the odds of two separate okay. planes hitting both towers? Elliot, are you still there? Hello? Elliot? Yes, I'm still here, Katie. So, Elliot, what can you see right now from, from your perspective? Um, I don't face in that direction. I can't see anything personally. It is completely impossible to understand why this is happening and to figure out what, the, what in the world is going on. I think we have to be grateful that the hit before 9 a.m., but it's now after 9 a.m., and I just wonder how many people were in those, those offices. Well, hopefully that they were evacuated following the first incident, and we can only hope that there was a very short period of time from when we first learned about this was probably about 8.50 Eastern time. The second incident occurred about 9.05, and so obviously that would be a short amount of time to get people out of the building. Ali Everhart is another witness who is on the ground. Ali, can you hear me? Yes, hello. And please tell me what you're seeing. Well, um, I live in lower Manhattan. I face the North Tower, the north side where the first plane crashed into the building, and right now there's a lot of chaos on the ground, a lot of emergency vehicles. Everyone from the World Financial Center has exited and is walking north up to Battery Park North. There's just mass and mass of people uh, walking uh, north uptown of Manhattan. Uh, I was happened to look on the first tower, and I actually saw people waving where the first plane crashed through, and then it was unbelievable seeing this second jet come crashing into the second tower. It's what is going on? And unfortunately, here in New York, many of our stations cannot see this, local stations, because the antennas are on the World Trade Center. They're backup towers on the Empire State Building, but uh, communication, television communication in New York City is probably pretty much knocked off the air. I, I just want to say something. We're looking at a picture here where it appears, because of the angle, I think, that the towers are leaning, and, and I don't think that that is, is actually the case, because after the first impact, it looked as if it was the, the left hand, the right hand tower was leaning. And now somebody is saying, we're getting a witness saying they are leaning actually right now, which will give you an, an idea of the type of impact we're, we're talking about. And that perhaps they're buckling under the force mm -hmm. uh, of, of the collision or and the hole that's resulted from these two planes. We're going to go to George Shea right now, who has also witnessed both or one of these collisions. George, can you hear us? I can hear you. What did you see, George? Yeah, well, I was in a car driving up gotten out of the battery tunnel driving north on West Street when an enormous explosion happened. And I think it was larger than a construction explosion. I looked out the window and what appeared to be an enormous tire um, smashed into the ground and I believe it hit the car to the right of me. And it was just so scary. And there was also a ton of debris fall. And um, I jumped out of the car and I ran south away from the building because I thought it was there would be further explosions. And, and have you seen anyone injured on the, on the ground, George? A man next to me was actually hit by a piece of debris in his arm. And they said that someone had been badly hurt um, in a car ahead of me. I'm not certain if it was the car next to me, and, and I can't verify that. All I can say is that a lot of debris was falling. It was very confusing because everybody, I think, immediately assumed that a bomb had exploded. And, and that sort of uh, 
Did you see, George, the second plane, that jet, you know, fly into this, uh, the other Twin I Tower? I two explosions, however. There was a first explosion that was louder, and then a second explosion. And, um, but, he, but I did not, I could not see that, and I looked up, and when I looked up, I saw debris falling and the tire, as I said, a very large tire. Well, of course, this is, as we've said, completely shocking. Uh, video and a shocking turn of events and we've been talking here that the first incident one might surmise that it was some kind of accident and then to have a second what appeared to be 727 jet of course the question of terrorist activity has to surface yeah. and 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 the question of whether this was an intentional terrorist act of some kind. You know, keep in mind that there we're in an area here where there are three major airports. You have Newark Airport, Kennedy Airport, and LaGuardia Airport, all within several miles of mm -hmm. the World Trade Center. You know, it's very unusual for a plane to get into this area without being completely tracked or identified by air traffic control. So you would have to imagine that, A, if this plane were headed right for the World Trade Center, there must have been someone trying to talk or communicate with that pilot. and and for it to fly right into the side of the building. Well, the, the, the smaller plane, you can understand almost, but a jumbo jet, a large jet, completely... Let's re-rack that video, if we could, down in the control room, where we actually saw the jet flying into the building, And which I was, was mistaken. And Elliot Walker said it was a big plane. I was looking in the distance and saw yeah. a small plane, which might have been a helicopter, actually, yeah. to see this plane come into the picture. There it is. That is a big plane. And... I mean, it's hard to imagine. It's a 737, we're now being told, and flying directly into the midsection of the, okay, what would be the eastern tower okay. of the World Trade Center. I'm wondering if Jennifer Oberstein is still on the phone. Um, do we still have Jennifer on the phone? She's actually not on the phone because she was near a police officer. Mm -hmm. At least we could have perhaps gotten more information from that officer. Uh, needless to say, it's pandemonium, yeah. I am sure, down there. And we gathered that from even the eyewitnesses with whom we spoke and how terrifying this was for them to see. And you can only imagine as you get closer to the Twin Towers, a, a New York landmark, mm -hmm. landmark um, how, th what the scene must be like there. You know, you talked about the buildings looking like they're buckled. They're designed to, to have a two-degree sway in either direction because of the height of the building and to be able to deal with wind and stress, but something like that is more than it's probably designed for. We, we want to go now out to Jane Daranowski, who I understand is a television producer here in New York. Jane, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. I'm uh, down here near the World Trade Center. I was walking down 6th Avenue this morning at 8.42 a.m. A group of us saw a plane veer through the buildings. Then we saw a huge cloud of smoke, and then fire came out of one of the towers. Here, it's near the upper floor, as you can probably see with your chopper shots. And then about 10 minutes ago, a second explosion in the second tower. Lower down, uh, that was not affected by the plane, so I'm not quite sure what happened there. But right now, there's a huge gaping hole in one of the towers, and the other building is on fire. Uh, the scene down here is swarmed with emergency vehicles um, and sirens. Have and you obviously, we're very sensitive to this kind of thing in this neighborhood. Elliot, have you, of course, because of the incident that occurred in the early 1990s, have you seen any any evidence, Elliot, of, of people being taken out of the building? Uh, you say that emergency vehicles are there, understandably so, but of course the major concern is 
human oh loss. I mean, do you know if there were many people in the building? Oh, another one just hit. Something else just hit. A very large plane oh. just flew directly over my building, and there's been a. Oh my! Something else has you know just. We just saw a plane circling the building. We just saw a plane circling the building. A second ago on the shot right before I that. I think there may have been another impact. Can you tell? I just heard another very loud bang and a very large plane that might have been a DC-9 or a 747 just flew past my window and I think it may have hit the Trade Center uh, again. To be, to be honest, Elliot, I, did, I didn't get the impression that it was that big a plane. It looks big from here. I did see a plane go by a second ago, though, and it, it, it has now impacted. World Trade Center one, and it looks from what I'm seeing on the television like it may have been We're the second see, building. This is hit. a piece of tape, and we may actually see another plane enter the picture here in a second. I wonder if there are air traffic control problems. Let's go back to Jennifer Oberstein, who was talking to a second ago. Jennifer, did you see this happen? Hello. Did Jennifer? you just see this happen, Jennifer? Matt, I, I've never seen any. It looks like a movie. I saw a large plane, like a jet immediately headed directly into the World Trade Center. It, it, it just flew into it, into the, into the other tower coming from south to north. I watched the plane fly into the World Trade Center. It was a jet. It was a very large plane. It was going south. It went past the Ritz-Carlton Hotel that's being built in Battery Park. It went, flew right past it, almost hit it, and then went in. Join one of, another one of our New York affiliates, WABC, for their live coverage. Plane overhead. And then all of a sudden, I thought it sounded kind of um, louder, then I looked up, and all of a sudden it smashed right dead into the center of the World Trade Center. Um, big, uh, big flash of flame, uh, fire coming out from all over, then the, all the, um, the bricks, is a huge hole right now. Um, it almost looked like the plane probably went through, I'm not sure. Winston, can you see, are you on the north side there where the, the plane made uh, contact? Yes, I am. Now, when you say a huge hole, uh, one of our earlier oh. witnesses, Libby Clark, said not much of the plane came down off the building, much no, of it went totally right in. into the building. It's in the building, that, from what you can see. Right. Now, can yeah. you see if there's a lot of debris downstairs, Winston? Um, no, because it looked like it, it inverted with the impact. Everything went inside the building. Inside. Uh, the only thing that came out was a little bit of the um, the outside awning. But I'd say the huge, the hold is, let me just get a better look right now. Okay, go ahead. We'll the, um, I'd say the hold takes about, looks like six, seven floors were taken out. And there's more oh, explosions there's, oh, right now. Hold on, people are running. Wait, hold, so, on. hold on just a moment. We've got an explosion inside. The building's exploding right now. you got people running up the street. Okay. Hold on, I'll tell you what's going on. Okay, just uh, put, put Winston on pause there for just a moment. Okay, while the he... whole building just exploded some more. The whole top part. Okay. The building's still intact. People are running up the streets. Uh, am the... I still connected? Winston, this would support probably what Libby and you both said, that perhaps the fuselage was in the building that would cause a second explosion such as that. Well, that's what just happened then. That would, that certainly... Yeah, people are um, I, We're getting word that perhaps... Okay, hold on. The, the people here are, everybody's panicking. All right, Winston, you know, Winston, let me put Winston on hold for just a moment. Okay, I don't know don't... how much longer we're staying. I'm inside of a diner right now. Well, Winston, are... you know what? If you could give us a call back, I just don't want to panic here on the air. Let's just uh, take some of our pictures from News Chopper 7. Now, one of our producers said perhaps a second plane was involved, and let's not, let's not even speculate to that point, but at least put it out there that perhaps that may have happened. Uh, the second explosion...
would certainly back the theory from a couple of eyewitnesses that the plane fuselage perhaps stayed in those upper buildings. Now, if you look at the second building, there are two that both Twin Towers now are on fire. Now, this was not the case, am I correct? A couple of moments ago, this is the second Twin Tower now on fire. And we're gonna check on the second flight if perhaps that had happened. This all began at about 8.48 this morning. Again, what we know in case you're just joining us, a small plane, not a Cessna type or five or six seater, but instead perhaps a passenger flight ran into the north side of the World Trade Center. As you can see, the, the second explosion that you're looking at now in the second Twin Tower it has spread much debris, much more debris than the first explosion or the first accident. Uh, if there is, if, is Winston still on the line with us? Okay, he's not there, but um, do we have, I'll just talk to my producer, do we have a, an eyewitness that perhaps sees better than we do from these pictures? Again, you can see that there is debris falling off. Come on, dip. Okay, we actually have an Eyewitness News reporter, Dr. Jay Adlersberg, who is downtown at the time, and he is on the phone with us live. Dr. Jay, what can you tell us? Hello, Steve. Um, I'm actually uptown at 86th and Riverside. I can see the World Trade Center from about half the building um, uh, up to the top. And about five minutes ago, as I was watching the smoke, um, a small plane, I it looked like a propeller plane came in from the west and um, uh, about 20 or 25 stories below the top of the center it disappeared for a, a second and then exploded um, uh, behind a water tower so I couldn't tell whether it hit the building or not but it was very visible that a plane had come in uh, at a low altitude oh, okay. and appeared to crash into the uh, World Trade Center. Dr. J, we're going to take a look at videotape just moments ago of the second plane hitting the World Trade Center. That is spectacular pictures. I don't know if you, you could see the plane, and that too was a passenger plane, if perhaps some type of navigating system or some type of electronics would have put two planes into the World Trade Center within it looks like about 18 minutes of each other you want to go to we have another copy there is the second plane another passenger plane hitting the world trade center these pictures are frightening indeed these are just minutes between each other so naturally you will guess and you will speculate and perhaps ask the question if some type of navigating equipment is awry the two commuter planes would run into the World Trade Centers at the same time. Our director, you're speaking in my ear at this point. You are looking at live pictures right now of the World Trade Centers. Again, we now have two passenger planes within 18 minutes of each other smashing into the World Trade Centers. Dr. J, are you still with us on the phone? I'm still with you, Steve. Dr. J, this is just frightening pictures indeed, and, and I would assume, or you would naturally think that when they've been listening to some of the coverage provided for us by our affiliate WABC out of New York City. Let's go now and check our other affiliate WNBC to get the latest, I'm sorry, WNYW, WNYW here, live coverage here of this amazing picture we're getting from Lower Manhattan, two planes, one hitting each of the Twin Towers at the World Trade Center.
They, they come by and they say, what happened, what happened? And you just got to say something hit the building and then something hit both buildings. Well, we, uh, we, we saw clearly, uh, we didn't see the first one, but we saw clearly that a plane uh, deliberately crashed into the, one of the upper floors of the World Trade Center. That was the second plane. So two planes uh, crashed into the uh, upper floors of each of the World Trade Center towers. And I'm just, uh, I understand now that uh, Port Authority headquarters are in uh, one of those buildings somewhere near that location. Uh, Jim, I, I yes. don't know whether we've confirmed that this was an aircraft or to be more specific. Some people said they thought they saw a missile. Well, I don't know how people could dis dis differentiate, but we might keep mm. open the possibility that this was a missile attack mm. uh, on these buildings. Uh, Ali, I must say that uh, we have an eyewitness who said it was a large plane that crashed first. And then uh -huh. as, as we were watching the live picture here in the studio, we saw a plane crash into the crash into the other tower of the world trade center and again let's uh just to be sure th there it is there it is the plane went right through the other tower of the world trade center that is a very hard thing to watch and clearly, these are incredible pictures that we're watching this morning these thanks to our affiliate wnyw in new york you are looking at this at this picture it is the twin towers of the world trade center both of them being damaged by impacts from planes. We saw one happen at about maybe nine minutes before the top of the hour. And just moments ago, so maybe 18 minutes after the first impact, the second tower was impacted with a, by another, what appeared to be another passenger plane. Uh, in fact, we've got some tape replay of that. Do we have the tape available right now? Here's the plate. Here is the tape. You see the plane coming in from what looks like the east side. And it blows into the building with the flames and the smoke billowing out the other side of the tower. It's hard for me to tell exactly which is the north side and which is the south side, but it appears it's coming out of the north side there. Incredible pictures. These happened just moments ago. And I believe we have someone with us on the line. Ira Firmer. We have Ira Firmer, the former NTSB spokesman. And you're watching these pictures as well with us, are you not? Yeah, I'm with you on CNN. What what can you make of what we have seen, and, you, and particularly with this replay we just saw moments ago? That's absolutely inexplicable. There there shouldn't be any aircraft in that area, much less something heading what looked like deliberately for the World Trade Center tower. You don't think there's any way this could be any kind of an accident, no kind of a navigational equipment failure or some sort of a, a navigational quirk by a beacons or whatever? No, you've got incredibly good visibility at this point, and no pilot is going to be relying on navigational equipment uh, in such a circumstance that would uh, cause them to crash into the World Trade Center. How far out of the way from an approach to either LaGuardia or Kennedy would a plane have to be to hit the World Trade Center? There are approaches that uh, come up uh, along the Hudson River, which is to the west of the World Trade Center, uh, and those aircraft usually wind up going into LaGuardia. So you can come within uh, a mile or two of the World Trade Center, but uh, it is such a visible object as you're approaching New York City that uh, it's just not possible for a pilot during the daytime uh, to have taken uh, a course that would put it right into the World Trade Center. A second occurrence uh, within a few minutes is beyond belief. 
And as you can see, there definitely is no weather problem, so weather would be definitely ruled out as a factor in this case. Yes, the course is a normal course. I mean, for commercial pilots coming into New York, it certainly appeared uh, from the video on CNN that uh, the uh, second aircraft was heading for the tower and uh, that it was a commercial-sized aircraft. Could you tell, have a better idea about what size that plane was? It was kind of hard for me to tell. You're an expert in these matters. Could you look at that tape and tell what size that plane was? Uh, it would have to be slowed down, and uh, you'd need more than one angle for it because you'd want to see how many engines on it, uh, the shape of the tail. Well, if it's, if it's possible, gang, could we, guys, could we go ahead and replay that tape right now? Do we have the tape ready? of the second plane impacting. We've got, we're going to put that tape on in just a second. Here we're about to roll it now. If you can, sir, I don't want you to, spe to speculate, but if you can, give us an idea of what you think might be at play here. What kind of plane we're talking about, or at least what size. If we're talking about one that would hold, say, 100 people, one that would hold 300 people. Uh, from the, what you see, you know, we can we'll have to back the tape up further than that, guys. Here we go. Very hard to get a perspective on it. Uh... I don't know how far away we are at this, but that looks to me um, like it could be uh, certainly a passenger jet and uh, one of those aircraft that could hold 100 or more people. Uh, I caution you at this point uh, to wonder whether or not that airplane was occupied by more than just a pilot or a crew. Um, we don't necessarily know that there were any passengers aboard that airplane. Understood. Understood. Uh, Darren Kagan joining the conversation here, sir. But there's no indication that there would be any air traffic on purpose in the area of the World Trade Center at this time of day, or any time of day for that matter. Well, not directly into the World Trade Center. No, but even close to it. You would be clearing the World Trade Center by a few miles. Normal operations. And when you're looking at the pictures that you see uh, with all this smoke and fire and all that, it's just absolutely unbelievable to think that a flight crew uh, that wouldn't ordinarily see the World Trade Center, wouldn't ordinarily be on course, would now not see this as a flaming beacon to avoid. Let me ask you this about the airspace. Given that it appears that two different airplanes have flown into the World Trade Center in 18 minutes, is it possible to shut down that airspace and keep another plane from doing something just like it? I don't think that this represents an accident. And so I don't think that we're talking about having to now keep other aircraft away. Uh, this picture that uh, CNN is broadcasting live is probably from the range of a uh, couple of miles away. And you can see that. No, certainly that. But if there was somebody who intentionally was trying to do the same thing again, is there a way to shut down the airspace to keep planes out? No, you can't shut down airspace. There's no gate. There's no fence in airspace. All you can do is broadcast that that airspace is closed. But if someone is intent on breaking through it, that happens with our military airspace all the time mm -hmm. off the coast. I want to bring, in a, bring up a couple points right now, if I may. We have just been told that President Bush has been informed of this incredible tragedy happening in New York. He did have an event scheduled at 9.30 this morning, which we were going to cover here. He has just canceled that event. We expect he will probably have some comments fairly soon, and we will bring those to you live the moment 
that uh, we understand he is available. But I, I'd like to ask you once again, Ira, if I can get back to asking you about this particular crash. Is it possible that those who are tracking planes either at LaGuardia, through the, the radar, can, can I give us some more information about exactly what happened here? Uh, if Were these planes, I guess, using beacons to come in or if there's some sort of identification of these planes as they approached the New York area? Yes, there should be if they were under air traffic control. You've got uh, one eyewitness telling you that the, the first aircraft flew from Westchester and flew down through Manhattan and directly into the World Trade Center, uh, presumably the North Tower. Uh, and now you've got, uh, you're showing the other aircraft uh, coming in, looks to me like it would be from the west, uh, into the other tower. Um, those planes could be, should be, normally would be under air traffic control, uh, but it is also entirely possible for aircraft to fly into, through, or over New York, or in this case into a building in New York, without being under the control, and we use that word advisedly, all that means is information is what air traffic control is, um, and just operate and do whatever they want if they don't follow the rules of air traffic control. I refer to we thank you very, very much for your insight. And the longer we talk, the, the less convinced many will become that this was an accident. We thank you very much for your insight. More information on that just ahead. Now we want to bring in Todd Harris. Todd, on the scene, saw what happened. Todd, are you with us? Yes, I had a perfect view. And uh, the plane was coming in. I, I noticed it a second before it hit the building. It looked like it, it was moving slowly and it lined itself up to hit the building directly. Are you talking about the first plane or the second plane? The first plane. plane. And it, Todd, it, tell it, us exactly where you are, where you had this great view. I, I was on Highway 278, like a dead-on view of the, the side that it hit the building. Take two. Take two and two, one. This is as close as we can get to the base of the World Trade Center. You can see the firemen assembled here, the police officers, FBI agents, and you can see the two towers a huge explosion now, raining debris on all of us. We better get out of the way!
Yeah. I took an express subway train from Times Square to Chamber Street, which is the stop just before the World Trade Center. The first thing I saw was the two World Trade Centers. Both of them had smoke and fire coming from them. I just started making my pictures. was photographing the burning building when EMT says, oh my gosh, look at that. And we started seeing people coming down out of the building. I instinctively picked up my camera and started photographing them, following them as they came down. Until I photographed what must become known as the falling man. It's a very quiet photograph. It's not like a lot of other violent photographs from other disasters. 
There's no blood. There's no. Thank you. I uh, I want you all to know. I want you all to know that America today, America today is on bended knee in prayer for the people whose lives were lost here, for the workers who work here, for the families who mourn. This nation stands with the good people of New York City and New Jersey and Connecticut as we mourn the loss of thousands of our citizens. I can hear you! I can hear you, the rest of the world hears you, and the people... and the people who knocked these buildings down will hear all of us soon. Towards the north, towards Pressler's locations. We took fire from a ridge line in a compound, and the decision was pretty easy. Go down to the compound, take the compound. So immediately we, we sent a squad down there to assault that and secure it. So in this room, we recovered approximately uh, 10 AK 47s out of here, about 40 magazines. They found that the fighters, as soon as the bombs started dropping, had done some ritual shaving of their beards or something, and that had uh, grabbed their weapons and left and, and gone up high. There were teapots that were still hot, embers and coals that were still hot. They were left over from their fires, and they left a whole bunch of other things like bomb-making materials and manuals and mortar tubes and everything else in that little camp. So we definitely surprised them, and there were definitely no families there at all. I think it was a surprise for everyone involved. The tenacity and the ability of the enemy to stay and hold and to fight as aggressively as he did. I remember Colonel Wozinski said, don't get drawn into a firefight and get bogged down and get sucked into a fight that, that you don't need to get sucked into, either in the town or in route to your blocking position. Get up in the blocking position, get the high ground, get set, and, and Zia's going to come in and all these other forces are going to come sweeping in the valley. We, we stayed on mission other than the initial contact, but I, I think we had to do that just to get off the LZ so we could get into the positions we needed to occupy. Taking heavy fire was Lieutenant Colonel Paula Camera and 187th Infantry uh, down towards the south in, in a blocking position that we called Ginger and Heather. He was taking inordinate amount of fire as compared to the others and appeared it was extremely accurate fire at that point in time. We started to get the battle damage assessments and it seemed that we were getting reports in upwards of, of 500. In the end, how much was Al-Qaeda, how much was former Taliban, how much was 
uh, other factions that, that were out there. Frankly, I, I'm not sure we'll ever know. Everybody, the Army, the Air Force, the Special Forces, the Navy, the Marines, who I give a lot of credit for turning the Bonhomme Richard around and, and getting back into the fight when they thought they were done. Um, everybody was in a reaction to what I consider uh, a bad intel plan. That's one. We did the best we could with what we had, and given the level of time that we had, the first it was conventional special forces with Task Force Dagger had the mission and then brought in some Rakasan, uh, who then uh, asked for help from, you know, 10th Mountain. It was a pickup game. It wasn't elegant, but at the footage available of the Takagar battle, it begins with the explosion and debris of a rocket-propelled grenade hitting a Chinook helicopter flown by the Army's 160th Special Operations Aviation Regiment. This is Sean Naylor. I obtained about five minutes of video of the combat atop Takagar Mountain, the location of the events described in the article I co-wrote with Christopher Drew. These snippets are drawn from that footage. It is about five minutes before sunrise. The damaged Chinook has been forced to land. Army Rangers begin to spill out of the helicopter. They are under heavy Al-Qaeda fire from all directions. If the Air Force's conclusions about this episode are correct, this footage begins at around the time Technical Sergeant John Chapman died. The Air Force contends that Sergeant Chapman fought alone on the mountaintop for about an hour against Al-Qaeda fighters after the Navy SEAL team to which he was attached had withdrawn, thinking he was dead. The Air Force believes that Sergeant Chapman was killed shortly before or after this helicopter was downed, as he provided covering fire for its landing. In one segment of this video, you can see small black dots below the helicopter that represent muzzle flashes, as a ranger fires while advancing towards Al-Qaeda fighters holed up in shallow bunkers hidden underneath trees. It was from one of these bunkers that the Air Force says Sergeant Chapman kept fighting after the SEALs withdrew. Although we don't think Sergeant Chapman appears on this video, we're showing it to you because it's rare to get an uncensored look at such a violent and frankly very secret at the time mission that involves so much human drama. It also illustrates for our readers how difficult it is to decipher exactly what is occurring on that mountaintop, even with the advantage of full motion video. And that helps explain. Hey guys, let me tell you about how much it sucks here. It's cold as fuck here. God knows how long we're gonna be stuck here. They sent us here, 
on the 15th of January They rustles, I don't think they want to make our families worry Now we're faced with the drama, a chasing Osama They even sent us over here without plates in our armor we barely have time to powder our feet, shower and eat And if we're lucky, man's about three hours of sleep The days seem like weeks and it feels like time stuck It's a dog and pony show slash real life mindfuck And I know since high school we ain't been speaking much, and since 9-11 it's kinda hard to keep in touch But it's funny as shit, but it's nothing to laugh about Everybody wants to go AWOL or get chaptered out But I'd hate to bore you, if I get a chance I'll call soon But if not, then I hope to hear from y'all soon Got your address wrong or something Or I'm guessing y'all must be busy with the prom or something Anyways, I still haven't seen a decent female I'm like the bitch boy I got put on all the recent details And lately, I can see myself turning bitch Cause I spent all of yesterday burning shit And I'm sorry, I don't mean to seem so bitter But I bet you would be too If they sent you to clean those shitters Take for instance, when you've seen the Twin Towers fall Make a different shit They had us cleaning shower stalls Thinking to myself Man, it's gotta be a way out But every day I wake up to another fucking layout This isn't HBO, we're no band of brothers And to tell you the truth, most of us can't stand each other Ask my squad leader, every time he opens his mouth And if he flips out again, I'ma wind up choking him out Cause he acts like we gotta be as hard as Rambo We don't understand, they only brought us here to guard some ammo What's a little extra duty? You can take my rank, you can have half my pay Still ain't gonna break the bank They got me rushing the guard like it's something to hurry about If they cross Article 15, it's like promotions I got nothing to worry about If I was a civilian, I wonder how much better I feel But I gotta go for now I'll be checking for the letter in the mail Dear Mrs. I'm too busy to write He's in Afghanistan, I wonder is he alright? In the think, I thought I knew y'all better than that Cause like an idiot I was wondering where your letters are at But the truth is, everybody goes on without you And America really doesn't give two shits about you And you know I'm not the type to live in the past But I took all your pictures off my wall and threw them shits in the trash It's cause I moved on up the side of the Chancellor alone Now y'all are too good to pick up a pen or answer the phone all that bullshit, I'm still the same guy When I put it in the retrospect, I should've aimed high Cause on TV it's an army of one, but it's hardly as fun No, anybody signed up, till if they were smart he would run And if I'd have known customs was gonna be like that on the way back I would've stuffed at least a pound of hash in my A-bag It's stupid, nobody in their right mind to stay You come home and these bitches still won't give you the time of day and Then it's ideas, you don't wanna try to explore Like while you were gone, your girl was fucking Understand that if active duty military actually get deployed within the United States, that weapon is not just pointed at other people, other countries. It's pointed at you. If you do not get in your house when I tell you to, you become the enemy. Martial law.
دغه یې دربینان دي سلبی خلاصه یې مخابری دي کاندی دا سکیلان دي دغه چې دي دغه نو نور امپورونه دي ګوره دغه نه دا چې امپورونه دي موسیقی دا چوله این پورونه دیگه واره دا اشی پراته یه دا دی دا غمی این پورونه دیگه واره دیشه وده دیگه دا باری مخصان کمانریان را ووطله تقریبان که دا دیدونه دی مرمیم چه تو سو و اووس ملبس را روان دیگه دا غشی تقریبان شاخ و بزما پیکسر تر دیر لزر کسان با دیر ووطله دیگه دوری مسئله حال تبریتی دی آخوند بیخی دخداه تلاواد دیر دی داغ شان دی سر داغ اول اول کلی ورد دی عبد الرحمنه دی سودانه و چی چولاشی افغانستان سر موسیقی موسیقی برام بذاری آه این مردم میخواد برا آه دیگه دوی از صبح هشت بچه کی نیم مترام مخصوصا بند است آه باره کلش بند است. کمالان تو مسیر بند است. مردم کلش پیاده می‌دهند. And it ends with that clip. The soldier talking about shooting Americans, Afghanistan and chaos. Biden wanted to do the George Bush mission complete. It's not what he got. He'll never be held responsible for it. And it's not all his fault. There's a lot of people that fuck this up. But that we can so quickly freaking turn off of Afghanistan 
and move on to their social change bullshit shows you why I do this show. The media are not serious people. The media are just a political arm of one of our parties who spend most of their time hating America. 20 years ago, our lives were changed forever. If you're my age. Even if it was just the inconvenience of getting on an airplane, it all changed. I was of the age that I knew it was going to change. I remember being right here in this room. We had a big screen TV with the kids and I walked outside because I didn't want to see them cry because I knew everything was changing. I then spent four years not coming home. It was garbage. And now I sit here 20 years later, like many vets, was it worth it? How much my life was altered? My son changed forever because he didn't have a father. My daughter doesn't even talk to us because we just broke apart as a family because we weren't one. And we're one of many. Marriages destroyed. Every one of us of age will carry something from September 11th the rest of our lives. It was horrible. And now 20 years, it seems like we've forgotten all those things. I mean, I'm I'm old enough to remember you literally didn't last that long being united as a country. We really weren't. It lasted a week. The flags and the shirts. And then everybody went back to the mall and people like me went to war. And maybe that's the problem. We fought a 20-year war, but nobody really fought a war other than the soldiers. The airmen. The Marines. And those Navy guys, too. There was no sacrifice other than having to get screened to get on an airplane. That's it. Someday it's going to happen again. With his border policies, it could happen on September 11th. God, I pray it doesn't. But we've let everybody come in, so God knows who came in. And our country now is so unfocused, I don't know what we do. We'll probably just say, we're sorry. We're sorry we're such bad people with freedom. We'll fix that. It kind of hurts your soul. So, this wraps up another episode of Flyover Politic Podcast. Please feel free to share with your family and friends. Go to FUPPodcast.com where you find this video, last video, and every other show with links to Rumble and SoundCloud. This weekend, please pause and remember those who lost so much. All the soldiers who have fallen since that day 20 years ago. The media will be talking about climate change and abortion and how they can figure out to keep those 80 voting laws that they got so they could get their guy elected. We need to pause and remember. We need to never forget that day. It's not a one-off. 
Make sure you don't give the yeah, yeah. Spend time with your family. I will do another show. It's either Tuesday or Wednesday next week. So we're doing it um, 14th or 15th. It's my next day off. Taking days off now. And we'll do another podcast. Until then, God be with you all. Love your family. And I will talk to you next week.